I imagine when you walked into the church, one of the first things you noticed were that the statues were covered. And I wrote about it in the bulletin, but I figured I would also mention it in the homily. We're now two weeks from Easter, and so we've entered a period of time called Passion Tide. And the custom, and it's still recommended in the Roman Missal up to the present day, is to cover the statues of our Lord and various images and crosses throughout the church. We used to do this in Menominee Falls when I was a seminarian there, and people used to come up to Monsignor and I after Mass, and they used to complain. They used to say, Monsignor, we don't like this. This doesn't look good. And we used to say, yes, that's precisely the point. It's supposed to be stark. It's supposed to be unsettling because the death of Christ was stark and the death of Christ was unsettling and the fact that Christ laid in the tomb should be unsettling. And so the covering of the statues and the crosses is sort of this psychological in our face reminder that sacred the sacred triduum is right around the corner. And so we must finish Lent strong we must run through the tape, as they say, and we must continue to prepare ourselves for the sacred triduum. The veil also reminds us of Christ laying on, in the tomb. And it also should increase within us this longing for the Easter season. It's not fun praying the Roman canon with a covered cross on the altar. So I await the Easter season when we can remove that veil when Christ has come forth from the tomb. And so again, the covering of the statues awakens within us this longing for Easter. Throughout Lent, there are various prefaces, and the preface, as I mentioned last Wednesday at the Mass series, is the prayer which leads into the Eucharistic prayer. And I also mentioned that it always has three parts. It has this general praise of God, and then it has a particular praise of God, and then it reminds us to sing with the angels. And in Lent, every week has a specific preface that ties into the gospel. And I was struck by this week's preface because it is rather rich. In a few moments I will pray, I'll say, for his true man, Jesus Christ, his true man, he wept for Lazarus, his friend. The preface is going to recall the fact that in today's gospel, Jesus Christ wept. And it's gonna recall the fact that this was one of the proofs that Jesus Christ was fully human. This seems somewhat obvious to us now, but it was not always the case. In the ancient world, the Greeks had this hard time understanding why God would take on human nature. The Greeks didn't like matter. They found it messy. They found it sinful. They found it lustful. They were intellectuals, and they liked the notion of the human intellect and the spiritual component of the human person. And so they found it unfathomable that God would take on flesh. And so the church constantly had to push back against the Greeks and say, no, throughout the gospel, although Jesus Christ is God, he also really took on humanity. That's why he wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. And then the preface will continue and it says, has eternal God, Jesus raised him from the tomb. And so you see, in today's gospel, the two natures of Christ. As a human, he weeps, because that's what humans do. But as God, he has power over sin and over death. And as God, he was able to call forth Lazarus back from the dead and out of the tomb. This should remind us immediately of Easter. 
The one whom Jesus loved was Lazarus, but it was also all of humanity. And just as Lazarus laid in a tomb dead, so all of humanity laid in the tomb of sin, dead to sin. And to rescue us, Jesus Christ took pity upon us. He took on human nature. He walked among us so that he could redeem us on the cross. It was because of his humanity that he was able to die on the cross because his divinity could not die on the cross. And it's also because of his humanity that we can receive him in the Eucharist. So you see why in the early church they constantly fought for the fact that Jesus Christ was true God and also true man. And just as God called forth Lazarus from the tomb and back to life, so will he do so for all of humanity. On Easter Sunday, when Jesus Christ rises from the dead, when he breaks forth from the tomb, his victory is shared by all of us. His victory over sin and death. And so you see the perfection of the divine wisdom and you see the perfection of the divine plan that because Jesus Christ was divine, he was able to conquer sin and death. And because he was human, he was able to suffer and die for us. And it is in this mystery in the joining of these two natures, which will play out over the sacred triduum in two weeks, that we will celebrate ultimately our redemption.